0: Uh, it is, uh, I'm so excited for the Christmas season. I love it. It's one of my favorites, um, and we get to have so much fun together here, um, but the thing that I love the most about Christmas season, uh, even with some of the chaos, because I know that it's not all uh, happy and bright and merry. There is some difficult things. Uh, some of us have had a difficult year. Some of us, uh, like I said, have difficult families or relationships or careers or different things like that. I know it's not always easy, but there's this, there's this element of Christmas that at its very core, there's like this low-level level sense of, um, of, of God's presence with us, of, of things being uh, there's like a desire, a drive to be uh, filled with joy, to have hope. This the, the lights that you see everywhere on on homes and trees, and and there's just this aspect of Christmas that I think is is so special. And ultimately, I, I really believe that that's because of uh, who God is, and because of what we celebrate at Christmas. It's not just gifts uh, and parties and dinners, although those things are great, but they all point to something. More significant, they all point to something more meaningful. Um, I had uh, i 've told this uh, a little bit before we we lived in Des Moines, Iowa, for a few years, which was great if you like snow and nine month winters. Uh, that was about what it was. Uh, it was brutal. We moved there um, in October, two weeks after we got there. there was a foot and a half of snow. And we didn't see the grass again until late May the next year. Uh, It was insane. But there's this aspect of snow that's beautiful and uh, and wonderful, and it's white and it's Christmassy. And for us, we were kind of new, and so we slipped a whole lot Uh, on the sidewalks. I did all the cartoon things that, you know, like not growing up in that, I had no idea. I walked out of my door and full on did like the ice skating, like spinning around all over the place, and then fell into a snowbank. Uh, My wife saw the whole thing, so that was awesome. Uh, But uh, there was a lot about Des Moines, and and even still, we made some of our closest friends, and there's a lot of stuff that we really love about that city and that community. There's this one place called Smokey Row Coffee Shop. And uh, it opened up, and nobody ever went there. I don't know why, but it was amazing. It was like all—it was this old building, so it was all brick, uh, and they had a fireplace inside, and they had great coffee, and I mean, it was just like such a cool vibe. And they had like this broccoli cheddar soup that, like, because it was cold everywhere, so you get coffee and broccoli. I don't know why it just turned into like a ninety-year-old man. Like it was my diner that I went to, and I loved it, and I went there all the time, and people knew my name there, and I could have whatever seat I wanted because nobody was ever there. Uh, I'm pretty sure I single-handedly kept Smokey Row Coffee Shop in business. Uh, And I'm sure you guys have probably had a a place like that, a place that you loved. Maybe it was a restaurant or a coffee shop, maybe. uh, But uh, the type of place that you, when you go there uh, and you drink that coffee, or you have that broccoli cheddar soup, or you see that fireplace, or those people, or or that view, whatever it is for you, do you guys have a place like that? Um, a, A place where you think, man, if I could just go there. I would have this sense of calm, this sense of peace. Uh, if I could sit in that coffee shop or if I could take in that view, uh, I'll calm down and everything will be okay. And it's always wonderful, but ultimately something happens with these places. Uh, oftentimes something happens with these places and it gets corrupted somehow. In the case of Smoky Row, everybody started going. I think I told too many people how great it was. I would show up. I couldn't even get a seat. You can't imagine how angry I was. I couldn't get my broccoli cheddar soup. I was very upset about it. I get it. I know. I'm an old man. Uh, But it was like this crazy thing. It went from like my private escape to the most popular place in Des Moines. And it was always packed. And and there was a sense of like, I shouldn't have told anybody about this place. I should have kept it for myself. Now everybody's here. I can't enjoy this. It's no longer what I, I loved about it. I can't sit by the fire. I can't like all these different types of things. And I think that for a lot of us, uh, we have this, this aspect of, of places, maybe it's like a place at the beach, maybe it's a coffee shop, maybe it's a restaurant, maybe it's a home, but there's a place that you associate with calm or with peace. And I think that we have always associated peace or a sense of peace with a specific place. Since the early days of man, uh, people have searched for and created places where they could make peace with God. Uh, this idea of peace was always something they were trying to figure out, okay, where are we going to build this altar? What are the holy mountains? Where, is the, where are the temples? Where are the places where we can make peace with God? And this is the ultimate form of peace. I mean, This is a sense of, it, the idea of peace is that everything is, is as it should be. Everything is right. Uh, and this is kind of what we, celebrate. This is what we love about Christmas, right? It kind of feels like it's a chance to, that everything is right again. You have everybody back home for Christmas. You have the, the perfect meal. You watch that movie that you know loves and you know every single line and, and all these, and everything is right. It just kind of feels a sense of, of peace. And people have been searching for this, trying to make peace with God for years and years. And the thought is that if God and I are good, then everything else will fall into place, and this is why uh, people wanted to try and make things right with God. Because if, if they're right with God, then everything, the, the, the crops will turn out right. Fam- they'll be able to have kids. Uh, uh, they'll have more sense of fullness or joy or happiness or whatever it is. And so they, they would go through all of these lengths to connect with God, to make sacrifices to God. It was all in search of, of having a peace, this idea that everything is as it should be. And so the question was, where would you, where would they, where would we find this God so we can make peace with Him? And as it turns out, God, the giver of peace, is God that we believe in, that we worship. Actually, told them where to go to make peace with them. And, and we're going to go for this wonderful Christmas story. We're going to go to Exodus chapter twenty-five. Uh, we're going to read a couple of verses here because it, it gives us picture of uh, of who uh, uh, of the way that God is inviting people to experience peace. We're gonna, just going to read a few verses. Um, God is giving instructions to Moses on what to do. This is after Israel had been freed from captivity and they were wandering in the, in the wilderness. And, and God says, then have them make a sanctuary for me, meaning the Israelites, uh, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle, which a tabernacle is essentially like a giant tent. Make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. There, in that place, in that tabern, in that tent that you guys are going to build, where I will dwell, there I will meet with you, and I will give you all of my commands for the Israelites." The tabernacle was a tent. It was a a temporary version of the temple, which we're kind of somewhat, maybe you're familiar with this idea of the temple. The temple was built, and this is where they would have all the sacrifices. We talked about the temple like a month ago, and I showed a bunch of pictures, and you guys learned more about the temple than you ever thought that you would want to learn in your life. Uh, But this idea of a tabernacle was like a, a temporary temple, and God is saying, man, make this tabernacle, and I will dwell in that place. That is the place where I will be, and that is the place where I will meet you. And it's interesting, just as a side note, that this is while Israel is lost in the wilderness. This is why they're wandering. They feel like they've lost all hope and they've gotten out of slavery, but they start complaining and they kind of hate being free because they don't have other things, uh, comforts that they had when they were in slavery, which is a crazy thing to say. Uh, They're lost in the wilderness And God is still saying, even while they're lost, God is saying, I am with you. While you think you're in the wilderness, I want to dwell with you while you're wandering, which is just, I think, a beautiful thing for us to hold on to. Eventually, the Israelites build a permanent temple, and it's where people would travel from all over to find peace with God and peace with themselves. Jewish people would travel all over to make the sacrifices, and and there was these different festivals and feasts. In fact, the Israelites' year consisted of seven different festivals that would include a series of pilgrimages, uh, of sacrifices, of parties, and of feasts that all took place at the tabernacle or at the temple. So all all of Israel, all the Jewish people would make these journeys to go back to this place where they could find peace. And sometimes it was somber, and sometimes it was full of celebrations and food. Sounds a lot like our Christmases. Sometimes they're somber. Sometimes they're very full of celebrations and feasts. You looked forward to these travels, these these seven different festivals. They were life-giving. They would help you become reoriented. They would give you a sense of peace, that you had made things right between you and God. And so all things in your life then could be right, as they should be. But this isn't just something that Jewish people or even religious people would do. These days, we hear people talk about making trips to special places that give them peace. How many of you guys have a place that you go on vacation? You have like, man, I know where I go, and there's something there that I feel that I don't feel anywhere else. How many of you guys would like to have a place that you go on vacation? <laughs> yeah okay, a few more hands. Uh, how many of you guys have like this sense of uh, a, a trip or a travel place that you go at Christmas time where it's like there's a sense of like man, this is where we go at this time, and there's almost like a, a an order to how it goes, what you unwrap first and is it the stockings or do you have to wait for everybody and, and do you eat first or or what's the pr- there 's almost this like ritual aspect for many of us of trying to experience this sense of of rightness, of what's happening. This is why people go on vacation to the same place every year. It's why they love specifically going to Thanksgiving dinner at grandma's house or they go camping because this is the place for them where they can experience peace. This is the place for them where they go and it feels like, man, this is right. This is as it should be. That place for me, Used to be smoky road. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's a sense for everybody that we we long for these places. And when we get to these places, we have a festival. We feast. We eat too much food on these vacations. We soak it in. We're looking for peace, taking a break from chaos, trying to reorient our lives. And so there's still this sense. You don't have to be a religious person or even a Jewish person in this time to understand, man. We do we work to find certain places where we can have peace, where we can experience peace. And for generations, this is how it worked with the Israelites. You lived your life. You did your work. You raised your family. You experienced stress or frustration. Uh, Sometimes you reacted to life in good ways, sometimes in bad, but ultimately going to the tabernacle, going to the temple, this place was where they would find peace with God. It made things right so you could go back and re-engage with everything else going in your life. But all of that changed this place this tabernacle this temple was overshadowed we're going to look in John chapter 1 um and I love this passage uh it's just so beautiful to me and it's uh I don't know I just I just love the the poetry of it John 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and this word that they're talking about is Jesus he was with god in the beginning Through him, through Jesus, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came to the Father, full of grace and truth. This verse, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This, this word that uh, is translated, the English word is dwelling, but the, the Greek word is this word no skenou. You're welcome again, uh, but there's two ways to translate that word, and we translate it into dwelling. But does anybody have a random guess of of the other way to translate that word? It would be tabernacle. It's the same word that they have used. This, this idea of God instructing them to build a tabernacle, and that's where he would dwell with them. And this is the place where he would meet with them. And, and in this very beginning, the opening verses of John's gospel, as he's talking about, from the beginning of time, Jesus has been a part of this thing, but the, the word became flesh, and the darkness could not overcome the light, and he made his dwelling. He tabernacled with us. We didn't have to go to a place. We didn't have to go anywhere to find him. He came here and set up a tent. He came here and dwelt with us in our chaos. And we didn't have to go to a holy mountain or go to an island or go camping or go to a coffee shop or whatever it is to find our peace. But peace essentially came to dwell with us, to find us, to search for us. This beautiful story unfolds. I love the picture that is painted here. It's, it's not random. That God's presence is no longer symbolized by or confined to a tent. But God's presence is in the person of Jesus. At Christmas, his dwelling is made among us. You don't have to go to a place. You don't have to go looking for it. It has come looking for us. Peace isn't found in a place. It's found in a person. This is the learning that we have to try and hold on to in our lives because by default, we assume it's a place. I think the, the majority of us, when we think of like, man, how can I just experience some sort of peace? You're thinking of a place where you can go. And maybe for some of you introverts, it's like, yeah, at home. That's where I can experience peace. Home and you not being there would be very peaceful to me. Uh, but for many of us, we think of a spa or trip or all these things that I've said, and, and it, we always just kind of go to associating it with going to a place. But the only true way that we can experience peace or feel peace or know peace is, is when we understand that we find that ultimately in a person, in the person of Jesus People in Jesus's day struggled to understand this. They struggled to believe it and they, they continued going to the temple and all through Jesus's life, there was all these arguments and conversations about the temple and he would say things that kind of made people think that he didn't really care about the temple and he said that the temple was gonna be destroyed and they're like, you're crazy, man. You have no idea what you're talking about. But people were still going to this temple because they, this was the place where they still felt like they could experience peace, even though Jesus was with them walking alongside them, healing them, feeding them, teaching them, caring for them, providing for them, they still would go to this other place because in their mind, that's where they would experience peace. Ultimately, the temple was actually destroyed. It was torn down around 70 years after Jesus was born. And that event shook the Jewish people and it still does to this day. It's, it's the cause of so much chaos and strife it shook them because their peace was attached to that place. And when the place was destroyed, their peace was destroyed as well. They could no longer go to this mountain and make the sacrifices. They could never go back and, and do the experiences that they had put so much weight and so much value on because they, they, they experienced peace when they were there. It was destroyed. It was taken from them. And so there was no way they could have that peace again. They could never get that broccoli cheddar soup. Again, they can never experience that Christmas at grandma's house again. They can never, whatever that thing is, it was taken from them. And so they never were able to hold on to peace anymore because it was put in a place. It was such a significant moment when the temple was destroyed. They actually marked history with it. And so many things in history were, are referred to as happening before the destruction of the temple or after And again, it's one of these things where it's like, Chris, what does this matter? And it's like, well, because we do the same things. We kind of mark our family's history, we mark our Christmases, we mark our holidays by, well, that was before my parents sold the house I grew up in, or after. That was before the fires in California burnt up my favorite places, or after. That was before that person that I loved so dearly passed away, or after. We have these, these things in our lives that are these mile markers, and, and so many of those things, they actually, we've attached our peace to those things, and, and ultimately they will fall or fail or crumble or, or whatever it might be. And when we attach our peace to a place, it becomes problematic for all of us. Some of us measure our life in the same way that they did in these seasons before our place was destroyed or after. And there's places that will bring us peace, and there's, there's, no, there's no problem with finding or experiencing peace at some of these things. It's not like you guys have to go on vacation and be stressed out, uh, unless you have kids. That is a requirement. <laughs> You do still have to be stressed out when you're on vacation with kids. But uh, just like the temple, all of these things can be destroyed, but God's dwelling among us cannot be destroyed. It can't be taken. God's peace transcends all understanding. It doesn't make sense compared to the peace that we can experience in this world. John 14 says this, and Jesus is talking. He says, peace I leave with you. Uh, My peace I give you, and I don't give it to you as the world gives saying the world is going to try and give you peace in, in all these different ways through money or food or people or power or strength or, or whatever it is. And these are all things that can give you a sense of peace, sure, but my peace I leave with you. And it's different than all of that because my peace can't be taken from you. My peace can't be torn down. My peace can't die My peace can't be tarnished. My peace, it's not like a a pie. That's funny, peace and pie. Uh, It's not like a pie that there's only a certain amount and we have to divvy it up to everybody to get their fair share. My peace doesn't lessen. It's the same amount of peace yesterday as it is today. So Jesus is saying, my peace I leave with you. It's different than the world gives. And some of us have to hold on to this promise because we feel like we've continually been let down or or broken or disappointed or, or left with a sense of longing from these other things we've put our peace in. And it's not because they necessarily want to hurt us, but those things have failed us. And so peace has failed us. But the gift of Christmas is that peace has come to us. And I wonder if we truly grasp that reality. Like, I wonder for myself, I've really had to wrestle with this question this week as I've prepared and I've been reading through this and I've been thinking through all these examples of the coffee shops and the trips and the people in my life and the, well, before this event happened and the after this event happened, and all of these things that I'm talking about are not just things that you guys need to think about. These are things because these are things that I struggle with. Do I really, do I understand, do I hold on to this reality that peace has come to me? That God has uh, come to me, that he's made his dwelling among us. We continue to search for places or for things that can give us peace. We continue to put an immense value on experiences or, or buildings or trips or relationships. And it's because we think that they can give us peace. And while we can experience peace there, it is not the giver of peace. That is only in Jesus. That's what he says in John 14, my peace I leave with you. As it continues on, uh, there's incredible things that we begin to learn as we grow in Jesus and as time passes on and this idea that we don't have to go looking for peace, we don't have to put our our trust in a temple or in a specific location because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is writing and he says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. Guess what that word dwells means? Tabernacles. God is in you. There's a place when, way back in Exodus, when people were lost in the wilderness and they were worried and they didn't know what they were gonna do and how they were gonna eat and what was gonna happen in their lives and where were they gonna sleep and what does it mean to raise a family while you're on the run in the desert. And, and God says, Build this tabernacle, and I will dwell with you. And in that place, I will speak to you in the middle of the wilderness. And there's this piece where Paul is saying, don't you know that now you are God's temple? You are God's tabernacle, and he dwells in you. And he will speak to you in the middle of your wilderness, in the middle of, of whatever it is you're going through, that, the highs and the, the joys of Christmas and the, you know, the merry and bright, or the other side. The you know blue Christmas. The the side of longing, the side of, of wishing that things could be the way that they were. Either way, this Christmas story is this idea that the peace has come and it dwells in us. So even if our favorite places are broken or sabotaged, even if our journeys, even if our relationships or our careers experience pain, we can still have peace because it comes from Jesus, not as the world gives. And this is the classic Christmas verse, Matthew one twenty-three: she will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is what we hold on to. This is, this is one of the major themes of Christmas, is this idea that man peace is no longer found in a certain holy place, and it's not found in certain holy people or holy writings or holy anything. Peace is found in Jesus alone, and he has promised to leave that peace with us. So what do we do with this? How do we practically apply this to our lives? Uh, there's a passage in Philippians chapter four uh, that I think helps us a little bit with this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Again, there's this consistent verbiage that says God's peace is different than what you have experienced or what you understand. The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's another translation of this uh, where it says, um, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's another translation that says, um, I lost it, shape your worries into prayers. And I love that idea. There's a sense of like, man, if I give you three seconds to think about something that you're a little bit worried about. Everybody have it? Okay. Okay. So we have these things that are infiltrating our minds all day and all night and at home and at work and whatever it might be, these worries. And left on their own, they are just going to continue to accrue and fill up in our minds and in our hearts. But this writer is saying, shape those worries into prayer. So take those and and reshape those and send them back out. Like, all I thought about all week long was this idea of, like, taking a piece of paper and turning it into a paper airplane. it's like, oh, cool, a piece of paper. And then you just, like, throw it back out. It's like, what is the worry? What is the anxiety? What is the stress? What is the, the the strain that is going on in your heart and your mind? And and Paul is saying, man, take those and, and shape, turn those worries into prayers and release them. God is the giver of peace, the peace of God. It transcends all understanding and it'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So when we feel anxious. When we feel worried, when we feel fearful or forgotten, when we feel anxiety about what Christmas or the holidays might mean or being around certain people or family members or missing certain people or family members or whatever it might be for you, the joys and the pains that come with life in the wilderness, the journey that we're all working, walking on, the consistent thing with God is that his peace dwells among us. And he will not leave us on our own. Christmas marked the moment where peace came down from the heavens and it became available to all of us everywhere. Peace on earth, the angels sang, and goodwill to men. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the um, promise of your presence with us. God, for some of us, this may be a difficult thing to understand or maybe even to believe. Maybe we've, we've not felt that before. We've, we've hoped and we've prayed and we've longed for that, and, and we've struggled to experience peace in our chaotic lives. Uh, for others of us, we didn't even know that it was an option to receive peace from you um, that would be transcendent above any other type of peace that we could experience from the world around us. But God, for wherever we're at, for each one of us that are in this room this morning that are facing kind of down the, the field two weeks out from Christmas and, and things continue to speed up and, and parties and gatherings and, and people and shopping and, and the chaos of the holiday season ensues, God, would you help us take a step back and realize that nothing, no one No place, no thing can give us the peace that we truly long for except for you. And the gift of Christmas is that we receive and we can experience that peace in the middle of the chaos of our lives. Things don't have to calm down for us to feel your peace because you give it differently than the world gives. So would you be with us over the next few weeks? Would you help us learn to trust in your peace, not the peace of a place or a thing, or a memory, or a hope, but the peace that can only be found in you. In Jesus' name, amen.